Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. Today we're gonna we're gonna unpack a phrase that you hear here a lot. And it's the phrase you belong. You saw the t-shirt says, as the bab- the people that come through the baptismal waters, they have the word on their shirt that says belong. You come in the front door and you look over to the right and it's painted on the wall, you belong. It was not orchestrated this way this morning, I promise, but I looked outside and and my little six-year-old daughter is standing on the sidewalk with the sign that says, you belong. That wasn't planned, I promise. And so what I wanna do today is, maybe you've got, or, or maybe you've got also, got, maybe you've gotten a handwritten letter from me or some of our staff members. In most cases, those letters end with, you belong, and then our name. As we're growing smaller, as, as you're gonna hear the heart behind growing smaller, what I wanna do today is, is biblically unpack the weight of this statement. What I want you to see is that, that you belong is, is more than a trendy slogan. You belong is something that is much more than a marketing tool. The phrase you belong, what I want you to do is hear my heart in this and, and hear the heart in our staff and our team here and even our volunteers. But this phrase you belong is a burden and a prayer that we have for you. And not just for you, but for all of those in our, in our community. Because I found out in some research that You know that the human is born with an inerrant nature to be a part of something. That's not something that's learned. It's not something that's taught. It's how we're made. It's how we're wired. And there's actually a phrase or a word that defines it. And the word is belongingness. The definition of belongingness is an emotional need to be an accepted member of a group. There's two American psychologists by their last name of Bowmeister and Leary that that talk about this, this belongingness. And they say that belongingness is so fundamental to human nature that a human feels severe consequences when they don't belong. They feel severe consequences when they don't belong. Some psychologists even say that it ranks right below the human need to eat and sleep. That this, this, this heart of belonging is that weighty in the human mind, in the psychological world of a, of a human being. But what I want you to think about right quick is that belongingness is the way God designed us. This is the way God designed us, is to have a desire to belong. 
Now, you don't have to look very far in our culture to see that that belonging is very compartmentalized. Belonging has a lot of boundaries. Belonging has a lot of walls. You know, it's so funny to go back because y'all all know and you can boo and hiss and everything you want to, but I'm a North Hall boy. Tried and true, right, Bo? I mean, it's, I still, I can't get over it. I still bleed green. It's just who I am. And now my kids play for a team that wears purple. I mean, come on, man. And so just last week, my daughter plays on the, the North Hall, or the Tennessee North Hall basketball. No, she doesn't. She plays on the Cherokee Bluff basketball team. So we had to go to North Hall Middle School. I was the first middle school class to go through North Hall Middle School. And it's so funny to run into people from high school that I went to school with. And they look at me and they're like, you're cheering for North Hall today, aren't you? No, I'm not. But immediately, it's compartmentalized and I don't belong to the green people anymore. I now have to wear purple. That's awful. No offense to purple people, but I'm gonna wear purple to support my kids. But it's so compartmentalized and that is, that's our culture defined. Our our culture has so many walls that are built up from belonging, whether it's socioeconomic levels, whether it's what football team you like. And just to remind you, Georgia did win the national championship two weeks ago. Praise God. Some of you can boo that too. But the truth is, belongingness in our world, it has limits, it has walls, it has Areas that people don't belong, and according to human nature, if people feel like they don't belong, it's detrimental to a human being. It's detrimental that a human feels that they don't belong. Belongingness is the very reason that every time you walk in these doors at Chestnut Mountain Church, you are going to hear the gospel preached. Because belongingness in the kingdom is the one thing that we can belong to that through Christ Jesus, our Lord, there is no boundaries. There is no limits. There are no walls. And the gospel is not compartmentalized to where you come from. The gospel is the gospel and it's offered to everyone. And that is the very reason that we're gonna share the gospel every time we're in God's house is because of this idea of you belong. We are burdened and we pray that you realize that you belong. And that's what we're gonna do today is sort of unpack that. We're gonna unpack it in a, in a different way. I like walking through a book of the Bible, but today we're gonna be flipping a little. But just to sort of save time, um, I want you to flip to Ephesians chapter two Ephesians chapter two, and then to the gospel of John. And we're gonna be going back and forth just a couple of times to these places. We're not gonna bounce around a whole lot. But what we're gonna pick up right quick is in Ephesians, Paul is sharing this very idea that because of Jesus Christ, that God's grace is extended to anyone who will believe. 
It doesn't matter where you stand. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what bloodline you were birthed into. Because at the time that Paul is writing this, you have the Jews and you have the Gentiles. The Jews are those that belong to God. And, and for lack of better words and for simplicity reason, the Gentile is everybody else. The Gentiles was, that's us. So you had the Jews, you had the Gentiles. So already we see that there's belongingness, but it's compartmentalized. Either you belong to the Jews or you belonged to the Gentiles and Jesus Christ came to tear that wall down, to break the veil so that everyone could fill this void of belongingness that we're all born with. So Paul is gonna teach that the reason for Christ is to offer unity to all those who will believe. Ephesians chapter two, and look at verse eight and nine. This is where we're gonna see that belongingness has absolutely nothing to do with you. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine, Paul writes, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself, it's a gift of God, not as a result of works, not as a result of who you belong to, not as a result of what side of the tracks you come from, not, not based off what school you go to, not based off what country you're from, but it's not based off anything to do with you so that no one may boast. You can't boast where you come from. You can't boast that you belong to Christ because there's nothing you've done to earn it. You belong to him because of what Jesus Christ has done for you, that that, that doorway was opened. Belongingness has nothing to do with you. It doesn't matter where you came from. Doesn't matter how much money you have. Doesn't matter if you were green or you were purple. Praise God. You belong because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. You belong because of him. Belongingness has no limits. And if you're here this morning and you've been saved by the grace of God, you are thankful that belonging to him has nothing to do with you. Just as you heard Andy share just a moment ago, as a 21 year old, his life was not geared in such a way that he earned God's love. He shared that he was not living that way. He shared that that was not his testimony. But even in the midst of his sin, what did the Holy Spirit of God do? The Holy Spirit of God extended the invitation he received and he was forever changed. If you go back and you're saved by the grace of God and you go back to the, the time and the place that you surrendered your heart and your life to Christ, were you living in such a way that you deserved God's love? Were you living in such a way that you could say, you know what? No wonder the Holy Spirit knocked on my heart's door today. I've got it pretty well together. No. For most of us, you were as far away from that as you could possibly be. But the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. So while we were yet sinners, Christ saves. And so even as we extend invitation leading into next week, don't only invite those people that make sense. Don't only invite those people that in your mind, they're gonna say yes, because the truth is, is you're gonna invite a lot of people that for next Sunday, they're going to say no, and that's okay. 
That's okay. I remember the first time the Holy Spirit of God invited me into a relationship with him. Do you know what I said? No. But the Holy Spirit didn't stop. The Holy Spirit kept loving. The Holy Spirit kept pursuing. And so make sure that as you extend invitation, don't compartmentalize the invitation. You extend grace, you extend invitation the very same way that the Holy Spirit of God extended it to you. There's no limits. There's no limits. There's no boundaries. But because of Christ, you as a follower now belong to God. You belong to the Father. Church, that is a void that only God can fill. Is this word belongingness. So in John chapter 10, I want you to flip there. Keep your finger in Ephesians because we'll come there in just a moment. But in John chapter 10, Jesus is going to expand a little bit on this belonging to the Father. John chapter 10, verses 27 through 29. Jesus says here, he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Church, there is victory in that verse. That because of the finished work of Christ, because of your placing your faith in him, you are placed in the hand of the father. And what did the son of God just say? That there's nothing that anyone can do to snatch you out of my hand. Church, that's where our hope is. That's where our promise is. That's where our victory is. That you being in the father's hand is not based off how good you are. You may look and you can say, well, Brian, yesterday I really felt like I was in my father's hand. I felt like I was in his hand because you know what? I was reading my Bible, I was praying. I even listened to worship music on the way to work. But you know, today I have fallen right back into the very sin that I thought I was delivered from, that I had thought I had overcome. So therefore I must've fell out of my father's hand. So now the father's gotta pick me back up. No, that is not at all what the scripture says, that there's nothing that you or anyone else can do that can remove you from the father's hand. It's confidence in knowing that God Almighty's hand has you and it's not based off you. There's freedom in that. There's hope in that. There's joy in that, that even in our worst days, we can come in here and we can lift our hand in worship. Even in our worst sin, we can still say, God, you love me and I don't understand it. Because praise God, you don't have to have it all together to lift your hands. You don't have to have it all together to have a conversation with him. You don't have to have it all together to come into God's house. Matter of fact, if you don't have it all together, that's the very reason we want you here. That's the very reason I'm here every week because I'm not even close to having it all together. And I think I just heard Chelsea say, amen. 
So we have confidence in knowing that we belong as a sheep to the good shepherd. But then we go back to Ephesians chapter two. I told y'all we're gonna be flipping. This isn't good on my ADD either. So Ephesians chapter two, verse 19. That when we belong to the father, it doesn't stop there. Ephesians chapter two, verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers or aliens. You realize that's people who don't belong. But through Christ, you are no longer strangers. You're no longer aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Y'all probably are thinking, man, that's like the third time he's read that verse in the last two months. Sorry, but not sorry. I don't know why God continues to bring me back here. Because when we're saved by grace through faith, yes, we belong to the Father. We are no longer aliens. We are no longer strangers, but we are now his. But it doesn't stop there. It says also that we are now part of the household of God, which that means that your family just got a lot bigger. If the blood of Christ has been applied to your life, then you are now surrounded by brothers and sisters in Christ. You are all part of the household of God and he is our father, he is our Lord, but we are all part of that same family together. It says there that we are fellow citizens. Fellow citizens, if you look at the definition of that, it's that we possess the same citizenship with others. We possess the same citizenship with others. So in the moment of your salvation, you now became the brother and sister to all who believe. We belong to the, the big C church. We belong to what some would call the universal church that, in, that encompasses the entire face of the earth. You realize that even right now in this morning, one of our very own, Dwight Joy, one of our elders who, who leads RU4 is in Nepal on the other side of the world, sharing the gospel, seeing people step from darkness to light. Do you realize when we talk about saturating the world with the good news, that that is saturating the other side of the world. So what we're praying, hoping, and believing that even in this moment, our family is continuing to grow. And we are celebrating what has taken place on the other side of the world because now more people are being adopted in to the household of God. That's beautiful. The gospel is not compartmentalized by anything that this earth can try to stop. But the family continues to, to grow because of the blood of Christ is applied all over. But man, the, the, the sobering thought of this, the church that we're a part of, not Chestnut Mountain Church, but the church, the big C church, think about it. Do you realize that we're part of the same church that was birthed in the book of Acts? That's our family. All those that we read about in Acts, this is, 
This is our family. This is when it all started. And when we look in, in Acts chapter one and we see that the, that the church, if you would, started with, a, with 120 in the upper room. And they begin to seek after God and the Holy Spirit fell. And before you get to the end of chapter two, that church family grew from 120 to over 3,000. The church exploded. The church grew to a place that it didn't even make sense. And so then we get to read all through the book of Acts. We see this immediate growth. We see that it exploded because of the power of the Holy Spirit seeking and saving those who were lost. But you know, what we see from this point moving forward is in the book of Acts, we see God's design for the local church. We see God's design for the big C church. And so as a 30,000 foot view, if you look in Acts chapter six through 12, the church spread outside the city of Jerusalem. Then you go into chapters 13 and 14 and the church continued to spread to Cyprus and Galatia. 15 through 18, the, the church spread to Greece. And 18 through 21, the church spread to Ephesus. Eight, and then 24 through 26, it went to Caesarea Philippi. 27 through 28, the church spread all the way throughout Rome. And so we watched as the church continued to explode. But what we have to realize is that in that moment, as the numerical numbers of the church exploded, the church was actually growing smaller. You say, well, what do you mean the church was growing smaller? Well, the family of God, the household of God continued just to explode but then we get to watch as local churches begin to be established. And the reason that local churches began to be established was so that they could impact the community where they were placed. And then all through the New Testament, you see where Paul would go into these, these big cities and he would start another church. He would set up the leadership. He would put the elders in place. He would do everything that he was called by God to do. And then he would leave. And then what would happen is the church inside these cities would begin to spread throughout the, the, little, the little urban areas of the big city. Because you realize as the church continued to explode and it began to leave Jerusalem in the very beginning, that it was becoming an impossibility for everybody to arrive in Jerusalem to gather together. And so therefore we see as God began to design the local churches so that it could be planted in the places for each person in that community to have something to belong to, to have a place to belong. And the reason that this concept of growing smaller is so important is because it was giving these new believers a place to, to call home. It was giving the new believers a place that they could belong. And so by God's design, not Brian's idea, but by God's design, 
The local church has been established so that we can have a place to call home. So that we can have a place to call home. And so if you're here this morning, maybe this is your first Sunday. Maybe this is your fifth Sunday. Maybe this is your fifth year. Maybe this is your 10th year. Maybe you've been here for a hundred years. What I want to challenge each and every one of you to do is to find a local church and call it home. Find a local church and call it home. And let me go ahead and tell you right now, if you think you can find the the perfect church, if you think you can go to that church that that pastor has it all figured out, if you think you can go to that one small group that all the ones in that group have it all figured out, you might as well quit looking because that is the very reason that we're called to gather together is because we're just a bunch of messy people trying to make it through this mess. That's who we are together. But for some reason, the world, even new believers, they think that once you're saved and once you become part of a local church, that it's your part of basically a country club. But what I would venture to say is what we're a part of is we're all just in the hospital. We're all broken pieces saved by grace. That's who we are. And so what I wanna do in my heart has been since day one that God has called us here is I want this place to be the refuge for the broken and the hurting. If you come in here and you think you've got it all figured out, I can go ahead and tell you this is not the church for you because you're gonna be a whole lot better than this guy right here. And you know, and I know this is not even in the notes and I was gonna try to table this analogy for a a sermon later, but, but the culture that we wanna create here is that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to have questions. It's okay for your marriage to struggle. It's okay for your children to live in the world. It's okay if you haven't overcome some sin. You know, I go back to to something that I vividly remember growing up in the North Hall community. There was a guy right down the road from the high school who had a record service. And this guy, didn't matter where you saw him, he was covered from head to toe in grease. Just what he did. It was under his fingernails. It was, his hands were just coated. He stunk. He was just dirty. But that's all he did. That's just what he did. That's the life that he lived. And I remember that somebody in the North Hall community had passed away and, and this gentleman showed up to the funeral And I looked around and I remember as people began to see him, everybody was shocked. He had on a suit. His hands were spotless. And I was like, man, something is up. 
But as we go out to the burial and the graveside, uh, obviously it was hot. It was in the middle of the summer. And I began to watch something. As the sweat began to pour off this man, I watched him take his jacket off. And all of a sudden, he took that jacket off and he began to roll his sleeves up. Under the sleeves was the same old boy I knew. The only thing clean was his hands. The only thing he had polished and washed that day was his hands. Everywhere else, he was still a greasy mess. But church, what is so heartbreaking is that is the very way that a lot of us come to church every Sunday. We come to church every Sunday with just the areas of our life that people can see clean. Heaven forbid we roll up our sleeves so that you really see what's under there. Church, I wanna be a part that when we walk through the parking lot, there is no shame that we can walk in from the outside, we can take the jacket off and we can roll up our sleeves and say, look, here I am, I'm a broken mess and I need you as a church family. And I promise you, If this is the culture that we can build, this building won't hold us. There will be a line waiting to get in here because people realize, hey, you know what? There's something different about that place. I don't have to have it all together to go there. Let's roll up our sleeves together. Let's don't feel like we have to walk in every Sunday with our hands clean. Bring your mess. I bet my mess will beat yours. We can compare messes if you want to. But you see, this is why God designed the local church. It's because he knew that messy people were gonna need a place to go. And so I encourage you, maybe God's called you here and you're not a member. I encourage you become a member because that puts us in each other's life and establishes accountability. That's what the family's about. You know, but when we talk about this, it's so funny. I've even, I've had to answer this question in a membership class before, here. As we shared our heart for being a member, I had somebody come to me in a membership class and said, I'm just gonna be real honest with you. Being a part of this church sounds very cultish. Well, number one, you've missed it. And then the next thing they said was, you know what, I love Jesus, but but I I don't need the church. I love Jesus, but I don't need this, I don't need the the body, I don't need the church. And after studying this week, I can't wait till somebody else tells me that. (laughs) Because I'm immediately gonna ask him. Ask them, whoever they are. You say you love Jesus, 
but do you love him enough to submit to the way he's designed it? Yes, you want to love him as savior and you want to love him as savior because he saved you from the pits of hell. He washed your sins away, but do you love him enough to make him Lord? And if he's the Lord of your life, you submit to the way that he's designed it, not Brian, not any of this staff, not any of the other local pastors in this community. We didn't think this up. This is designed by God. We love him as savior, but do we submit to him as Lord? And if you love him like you say you do, you submit to the things that you don't even like. That's a hard one. Because our world tells us, well, if you don't like it, you don't have to do it. That's not at all what following Christ looks like. He's gonna call you to do things you don't wanna do. He's placed people on your heart that you've gotta invite next week that you are fighting it tooth and nail. You're coming up with every excuse under the sun not to invite them. I pray you're miserable. (laughs) So God's called us to be a part of a local church. But I also want you to remember the purpose of this design. Yes, it's so that we can do life together. Another reason that we do it is because he's designed it that way. But one thing that I read this week that was just really eye-opening to me, if you would. Even right now, this morning, as we're gathered in this place, there's people driving by on Winder Highway. There's people driving by Strickland Road. And they're looking and they're seeing cars parked in the parking lot. They're seeing people come in and out. And what's interesting to me is that if a human is wired with this nature of belongingness, if you would, as they drive by here, what we're publicly displaying is togetherness. We're publicly displaying this morning, even being in this room, as our cars are sitting outside, people coming by is an example of unity to them. They're looking at us and they're saying, hey, you know what? That group of cars belongs to something. That group of cars is a part of something. But you know, again, by God's design, John chapter 17, that's exactly the way he designed it. John chapter 17, verse 22 through 23. This is Jesus talking again. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them. That's us. That they may be one just as we are one. I and them and you and me that they may be perfected unity. Here we go. So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even 
as you have loved me. So the world may know. So as we're gathered together, as we're unified this morning under the name of Chestnut Mountain Church, our prayer is that as people drive by, as people look into the parking lot, as people see our kids standing on the the corner holding the signs, that we pray with everything in us that what they are seeing is they are seeing unity exemplified. That they are seeing us gathered together as a church family and it begins to stir something in them. Hey, you know what? I wonder what it would be like to be a part of something. And just like Andy talked about, who cares why they come? Because if they come, they're gonna hear the gospel and then we're gonna trust Jesus with the rest. We can't save them. We can't even invite them into salvation. That is something only the Holy Spirit of God does, but we know that it comes through the teaching of his word. So we don't care why they come. We don't care if they come out of curiosity. We don't care if they come just to maybe hear the latest gossip. I don't care why they come to God's house because I trust the power of his word is gonna transform them when they hear it. So what does it look like if people begin to drive by here? And what they notice is a group of of different people. A group of people who don't look the same, who don't talk the same, who don't dress the same, who don't act the same, but because of Jesus Christ, we belong. We belong to each other. So not only does the local church exist to be a witness in this community, but I want you to hear me when I say this. It also exists for those who make it up. The local church also exists for those who make it up. It exists for you. It exists for me. Ephesians 4, we read that some were prophets, some were pastors, some were teachers. The list goes on and on. But all of those tools are used for our growing as disciples in Jesus Christ. And when we gather together on Sunday morning, when we gather together on Wednesday nights, when we gather together throughout the week in a small group, we're gathering together so that we grow as believers. And God has equipped us, God has equipped this place with the people who are gonna help you grow as a follower of Jesus Christ. But here's the beautiful part of this whole reproduction thing of making a disciple. If you commit to be poured into, if you commit to that, be discipled in a small group, if you commit to to that iron sharpening iron, what you have to realize is not only the people who are here are here to equip you and to build you. Do you realize that God is going to use you to do that for someone else? You say, well, Brian, there's no way God can use me. You watch him. 
you grow in him and you watch him use you. So not only do we exist here for one another to sharpen each other, but as we are sharpened, as we're molded, as we grow together in the Lord, God's gonna use you to grow and shape and mold other people. And so as we grow smaller, we continue to grow deeper. And so what we've seen today is we've seen biblically how the Big C Church is designed and how the Big C Church is growing smaller. It's growing smaller so that it can reach more people and so that it can provide a place of growth for those who live in that community. That's the very reason we're here. We don't just open the doors on Wednesdays and Sundays so that we can check a box. If you come in on Sunday and you leave the same way you came in, then we've missed it. We pray that when you leave, you leave more equipped. So the church exists not only to be a witness in community, but a training ground for the saints. And I know some of you are gonna go, but Brian, I don't lie. What are we gonna do here? As we continue to get bigger, as we continue to grow numerically, how are we gonna gonna do that? How are we gonna stay continuing to grow smaller? Well, you gotta be back next week to hear that part. Because here's what I trust is if we are being obedient and faithful, this building is not going to hold us. It's not anything that I'm doing. You can tell, look, I've told y'all before, I make up words. I went to North Hall. I am not a polished speaker. And I'm just dumb enough to know though that the only source I have is him That's it. And I commit to you that I'm gonna stay on my face and seek him. And there's gonna be days that God tells me to do things that you don't like, that you may not agree with. The older I get, I'm learning to be okay with that because I don't have to answer to you. I've got to answer to him. But church, I know with everything that I have that we need each other. I can't do this without you and you can't do it without me. It's the way we're designed. It's the way we're wired. And so what I'm gonna ask you to do, the way that we're gonna close out today is I want you to continue to pray for your three. You say, well, what three are you talking about? Two weeks ago, we we passed out cards and we talked about leaving the comfort of the 99 to go after the one. And what has been so beautiful as we've even said in our staff meeting, sharing some of the people that God has placed on our hearts And just to show you how God works, we've already seen so many times that who God places on my heart, 
God places on somebody else's. And guess what's gonna happen in your flesh? Your flesh is gonna go on what? Well, God, you spoke to them, so therefore I don't have to do it. What's it gonna be like when they get multiple invites? It's gonna encourage them to let them know that the one has not forgot about them. You know, I know you heard Andy's, Andy's invitation and how it forever changed his life. And, and this is no accident at all. And this young lady has no idea that I'm about to mention her name. But church, going back 16 years ago when Chelsea and I first got married, we were looking for a church home. And I was doing FCA at Davis Middle School. And one of my students came to know Jesus at an FCA huddle. And I remember Whitney Rowland came to me in the gym one day and she said, Coach Hall, will you come see me get baptized? I said, yeah, Whitney, I would love to. I said, where do you go to church? Now remember, I'm a North Hall boy, working in Davis Middle School. She said, well, I go to Hopewell Baptist Church. I said, where the heck is that? So I went to what all techno guys do and I printed the map off MapQuest. And Chelsea and I went and watched her profess her faith in Jesus Christ publicly. And just to show you how God works, Within eight months, I was on staff as the middle school student pastor at Hopewell Baptist Church. But it all started with an invitation. That was how I stepped into ministry. How does one invitation change the trajectory of somebody's life? If God places them on your heart, church, you better act. You better do something with it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. 
We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.